How is your camp working to support campers' mental, social, and emotional health? What does inclusivity have to do with camper safety? How can we empower youth to recognize signs of abuse? These are just some of the topics covered in the latest season of Staffing Safety Society, produced by the Redwoods Group. Search Staffing Safety Society on your favorite podcast platform to hear more on the big questions facing camps and other youth-serving organizations. everyone and welcome back to another episode of the Campwire podcast. I'm your host Lauren McMillan and I'm so happy that you're here today. We are here chatting with the folks from Camp Dream Speak Live Delaware and I'm so excited for this conversation. I think you're really going to be blown away by what kind of programming they have to offer um, and you can really take away some inspiring ideas and this program content for your own camps and um really kind of changing the way we think about what summer camp programming can look like, um, especially when it comes to camps on campus and um, how we think about those opportunities as well. So first, just a few introductions about who's joining us today. First and foremost, we are joined by the one and only Tom Rosenberg, ACA's president and CEO. We're also joined by Ruthie Hernandez, who is the membership manager for Camps on Campus. And then to welcome our friends from the University of Delaware, First, we have Alice Moore. Alice is the Protection of Minors Program Coordinator at University of Delaware, and she's been in that position since March of 2020. She has been the liaison for the Protection of Minors Program for the Office of Equity and Inclusion since November 2017. In her role, Alice is the primary contact and responsible for leading program directors in the compliance of the UD POM policy requirements for events or programs serving minors. With more than 20 years of experience at the University of Delaware, Alice earned her AS in Agribusiness Management from Delaware Technical Community College. We also have Evan Usler. He is an assistant professor in communication sciences and disorders in the College of Health Sciences at the University of Delaware and the director of the Interpersonal Neurophysiology Lab. And last but most certainly not least, we have Sam Ferrand. He is a speech-language pathologist in the Department of Communication Sciences and Disorders in the College of Health Sciences at University of Delaware. Evan and Sam contribute to the Delaware Stuttering Project, which seeks to improve the well-being of children and adults with fluency disorders through education, research, and clinical practice. Now, together, they all lead Camp Dream Speak Live, which is a week-long day camp and clinical program for children and adolescents who stutter every summer on the UD campus. Camp Dream Speak Live was founded by Courtney Bird and her team at the Blank Center for Stuttering Education and Research to facilitate many such programs over the United States and the world, including Austin, Texas and Atlanta, Georgia. Everyone, welcome to the Camp Wire podcast. Thanks so much for being here today. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thank you so much. All right. So let's start from the beginning. And anybody can just chime in on this. We talked uh, or I mentioned this a little bit in the introduction, but take us back to the origins of Camp Dream Speak Live. What was the inspiration behind the program and what was the decision like to make it a reality? So I guess I'll take that one, Lauren. Um, I First, I want to say I'm not a camp expert. I frankly should listen to your podcast because I definitely could learn and um, I definitely will uh, before the next time we have camp, probably sometime next June. Um, and I'm not a speech language therapist or pathologist. Um, I, my training is actually in cognitive neuroscience. So I'm a lab kind of a guy. So the idea of holding a camp, hosting a camp um, was always so intimidating to me because God forbid, you know, you have to provide lunch and you have allergies and all that sort of thing. And, and that's all way over my head. Um, however, I knew the importance of a camp structured intervention and the benefits of such intervention for kids who stutter and also kids with communication issues in general. Um, when I was growing up as a kid with a really good stutter, and I still have one, and I'll probably stutter my head off during this conversation, but when I was a kid, um, I wish such a camp existed 
when I was five, six, seven years old, my therapy was, you know, the traditional forms of speech therapy that most people probably think exist, and it does exist, which is like based on the schools and maybe like an hour a week and one-on-one -on -one time with an SOP. And, and that's all well and good, right? There's a reason why we have that. But I wanted to create the kind of a camp that I wish I could have gone to when I was six, seven years of age. And it was wonderful to not reinvent the wheel because there are wonderful folks out of UT Austin that you mentioned. Um, Courtney Bird, um, Lauren Henshi, Daniel World, Jeff Colson, and many others who lead um, the uh, uh, Blank Center for Stuttering Education and Research. And they started Can't Dream Speak Live back around 2015, 2016. And they have just exploded the number of camps, not just across the country, but all over the world. Um, you know, there's camps across Texas, Plano, Austin, El Paso, Atlanta, as you said, Cincinnati, internationally, uh, Norway, the Netherlands, Belgium, South Africa, Nigeria, Pakistan, Israel, so on and so on. And it seems like every year they're just increasing the number of these camps across the country. And we're just one cog in the wheel. So I can't speak for them. They probably would do a better job at explaining this camp than I would. Um, but we do have a similar philosophy, I think, which is um, what what should what what's the potential of camp or a camp like thing in increasing the communication competence or effectiveness for these kids who have a stutter? And I don't know if you folks know much about stuttering. If you've seen the movie. Uh, 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 the King's Speech, you probably have a good idea. And if you haven't seen that movie, it's it's a bit dated, but it's a pretty good movie. Um, but when most people think of stuttering, they think of uh, children and adults who have hard time saying certain words, and they produce things like repetitions, prolongations, um, hesitations in their speech. And so if I stutter on the name Evan, for example, it would sound something like, my name is... And I know your audience can't see me, but... I, I hope you can hear the tension and the struggle and the effort at me trying to initiate my name because moments of disfluency seem to happen more often on words and utterances that are very valuable to you. So if you ask me, hey, Evan, how, how, how is it going? I'll be like, okay, you know, you know, it's fine. But you ask me what my name is, all of a sudden I could have a good moment of disfluency there. If you ask me what you know, where I live, what town I come from, I could have a good moment of uh, disfluency there. Now imagine a four or five-year-old child developing that involuntary, habitual, and transient moment of speech inhibition that creates these moments of stuttering. And I'm sorry if I'm being long-winded here, but imagine being four and five and trying to navigate the world and understand the self and what you're capable of doing, you know? So I'm learning math, I'm learning reading, I'm getting good grades in school, but if you ask me what my name is, I can't say it, I know I can't say it. How do I, what does the future hold for me? So long story short, the whole point of the camp is to nudge the children in developing the communication skills that I think they intrinsically have. Because when they're four, five, six years of age, they're developing the opposite. They're, they're learning to avoid, to shield themselves, to get this suit of armor around themselves because they want to hide the stutter. And from that point of view, it makes perfect sense because you don't want to stutter in public. You don't want to seem like you don't know what your name is. The whole point of camp is to show them that they can remove that suit of armor and they can stutter their head off. And guess what? It doesn't matter that much. Um, we also saw the opportunity um, with a uh, you know a resource like resources like UD has, um, and the focus on you know research and community outreach that the University of Delaware offers. Um, we saw the vacancy of opportunities for children who stutter in our region, um, and really wanted to create the opportunity for those kids to. Um, safely and positively explore their struggles. Um, we were fortunate enough that Evan had a relationship with um, 
uh, Courtney Bird at UT Austin, um, that they were able to support us in creating the program that we did in our first year last year. Um, so that was uh, kind of the inspiration was just to create that um, that opportunity for those kids in our region. So it makes it interesting when you receive a call or email from your faculty and staff on campus that they want to do a new camp and um, how do they make sure um, that they're compliant with our university policies and procedures um, for having youth coming to campus. And um, it, you know, they're so specialized and so knowledgeable in their field of study. It's my responsibility to make that policy um, less scary and make it more applicable to the day-to-day -day laity, right? They don't normally work with youth. So it's explaining that we can easily do this. And this is the basic steps you have to do um, to make sure that we're in compliance with our state and university regulations. And um, I'm always excited to hear about all the diverse ways our campus community is looking to serve our community in the broad spectrum of availability of um, such unique programming. Um, and so I felt an ultimate responsibility to ensure they were successful in meeting our policy requirements so that they could um, really take their mind off of that and make their focus on the youth coming to their program and, and seeing um, the opportunities um, going forward um, in this um, awesome experience for these youth that may not um, receive that camaraderie of seeing others who are also struggling with these voice disorders. And um, I think it speaks to me personally as a, someone who has a voice disorder um, that's not always prevalent um, that to know that I'm not out there alone. And so to have that opportunity to learn that at five, six, seven years old really means the world um, a difference to a young person and, and their um, personal self-worth, right? And to know there's others out there um, and learning tips and techniques of how to uh, best handle those difficult situations and those times. So um, I think it's wonderful. And I'm so glad to be a very small part of this wonderful program and um, to have ACA reach out to us and recognize their work um, is huge and so grateful to be a part of uh, making this work known to our broader um, Camps on Campus uh, programs through ACA. So thank you for the opportunity. Well, you may have said a small part, but it makes a massive difference. And I love a few of the the concepts that you just touched on. And I think it's something that we value so much in summer camp experiences. And that is finding that sense of community, especially among your peers, building that sense of self-worth, confidence. All of that is something that is so critical and such a unique benefit of summer camp. Um, so I just, I love that that's part of your all's experience as well. I wanted to jump forward in, in my list of questions here and kind of work backwards. I want to learn what does a typical day at Camp Dream Speak Live, what does a typical day look like? And I, I think what I'm curious to learn about within that is, you know, on the surface, and what I think makes these programs so unique is on the surface, it, it's just like any other summer camp. There's fun, there's activities, there's play, there's laughter, there's all of these things. But beneath the surface, there's these really um, interesting and impactful therapeutic approaches that go into the programming that you all do. So let's touch on what does a, what does a typical day look like and how are those therapeutic approaches kind of woven in throughout the day? Sure. So from, I think, the point of view of the participant, of the child, um, it's just camp. And I think they're correct in that. Like if they think of their daily schedule, as you said, Lauren, there, you know, there's magic shows and maybe a little field trip or a scavenger hunt or going to get ice cream, right? Um, so that's correct. Uh, but on the other side is a very structured, deliberate therapeutic protocol because I think every camp activity maybe not every, but perhaps most camp activities are social and 
Thus, every camp activity provides an opportunity for the child, whether they stutter or not. And I've been focusing on this unique population of about 5% of all children, but I think the larger themes apply to almost all camps. Um, every camp activity has the potential for um, revealing to the camper that um, they have an intrinsically effective communicative ability and social skills, uh, regardless of their language, their culture, you know, where they've come from, whether or not they have a difference or a disability, every camp activity is, is an opportunity to improve your social skills and your communicative skills. And so if you just look at a daily schedule, um, usually in the morning, we have a more deliberate lesson plan where we focus on certain themes like uh, communication competence or how to be an advocate for yourself or people who stutter or how do you educate others about stuttering because education is a major piece in, th in, in, in therapy. So we want the campers to educate their peers at school, their teacher at school, their parents or siblings at home. Um, and then also how do you become resilient in the face of, you know, childhood. Like, I remember being a kid. Being a kid is tough. Like, summer camp is great, but there are moments in time during camp, right, where there's teasing, there's bullying. Uh, and regardless of how um, you try to, you know, lessen those things, there will always be opportunities for a child to be, uh, I guess, resilient and to cognitively reappraise how they are acting in a certain environment. Um, so just for example, um, I said, we go to the ice cream shop, okay? Now you could think, oh, well, that's just a mundane thing. Like we have to kill some time, but actually it's, it's deliberate because what if we go to the ice cream shop and we wait in line and there's people in front of us, people behind us, Let's look at the menu. Let's see the flavors, okay? And maybe that camper was always afraid of approaching the person behind the counter and asking what flavor they really want because they really want chocolate, but they feel I can't say that CH sound. So they have always ordered that flavor they really don't like, okay? What if we say, okay, look, let's play a game. Let's pick the flavor with the longest word, with the hardest word, with the word that you know you're gonna stutter on a lot. And let's see who can stutter the most. So I model, like I'll go up first and I'll find, you know, ch 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 chocolate, you know, and I'll give a good stutter and yet I'll maintain eye contact. I'll say exactly what I wanna say. And it doesn't matter who's around me. And that models for the child, oh, I can do the same thing and it's not gonna be the end of the world if people hear me having a hard time. So that's that's just one example. Hi everybody, this is Tom. I, uh, Evan and Sam, I just wanted to maybe ask, uh, you know, with camp being such an immersive, uh, hopefully safe environment where kids feel like they, or they become, they, they start to feel like they belong uh, to the group and, and in your camp, you know, everyone attending your camp, I assume, has moments of disfluency every day. And perhaps they're even learning to celebrate those challenging moments when they have them and support each other in ways that they aren't supported when they're home. So I'm just curious, how quickly do you see the anxiety levels change in those youth in that camp environment? And um, you, you have a one week camp. So every moment is precious. Um, I don't know if they get to come to camp every year or if it's once and one time experience. I'm just curious of, um, what's that first day like and how quickly does it all start to happen? So on the, on the first day, um, as expected, you know, most kids are pretty shy and they have kind of a hard time opening up, but, uh, 
you know, the first day the parents come in, they bring their kids, everybody's greeted by a smiling, you know, graduate clinician, other, other camp staff. Um, and, um, but as early as the second day, as early as the afternoon, I mean, the kids start interacting more, they start to realize that all of the kids there are also people who stutter. And I think for a lot of those kids, it might be the first time they've met another person who stutters. Um, I think we polled the group and of the 10 kids that we had, I think seven of them had never met another person who stuttered. Um, so it very quickly creates uh, a small sense of community um, and it uh, really allows them to reduce some of that anxiety. And, you know, some kids leaders emerge who are very, have been through a bit more. The older kids have, you know, been through different therapies um, and they might see the value. Some of the older kids are really, really shy and they've been really, really hurt by things in the past and they have a harder time opening up um, and participating in some of the activities. Um, but the program is designed and it has uh, a lot of the camp staff are, um, you know, adult graduate clinicians. And from the first day, they're doing um, role play activities where they stand up and they show examples of strong communication and not a strong communication. Um, and uh, the kids are asked to kind of analyze what the kids, what the graduate clinicians did. Um, and I think seeing the graduate clinicians, the adults, um, you know, some of them are being asked to be brave and stand up and do something that's uncomfortable for them by being in these role play activities. I think that modeling helps the kids get more comfortable. Um, and to, to shorten the answer, I guess the uh, usually by, by the second day, the kids are already forming friendships and they're making, having a lot more spontaneous interaction with each other, um, and with the adults. And it's just wonderful to see everybody, see everybody, uh, kind of come out of their shell. So, um, Tom, that's, that's a good point. We have five days with these kiddos, um, cause it's a one weekday camp. So Monday, to, Monday to Friday, um, you can't cover the other 51 weeks of the of the year, um, but they can come back and hopefully we'll get some of the same campers to, to, to come back. Um, it's, you can't do a miracle. Um, it's true, some, some campers by day two, you see a big difference. Some kiddos, it takes day four or five. I think what all we're hoping for is a little, a little nudge, a little, acknowledgement that you know this larger world exists and particularly for the older um campers once you get in like 11 12 13 14 and you have lived a life as a child who stutters for five six seven years you, like i said you have that armor on um one quick kind of um thing that i i like to talk about is so they get their t-shirt they camp t-shirt on monday and I'll be honest, it's the kind of t-shirt I wouldn't have been caught dead in when I was nine years old, right? It's it's teal or a bright color. There's a heart on it. Can't even speak live. I was one of those kids and I would not wear that shirt. And some kids don't wear the shirt on Monday. Maybe by Wednesday, they have the shirt on, but they have a hoodie over it. So they're wearing it, right? I'm not telling them they have to wear it but we're all wearing it, just nudge. So they're wearing the shirt, but they have a hoodie on and it's 95 degrees outside. It's the summertime, we're walking to the ice cream place. Think about what's, what's in the child's mind. He or she would rather suffer like heat exhaustion or the risk by wearing a hoodie because they don't wanna reveal to the world what wearing that simple t-shirt really means. Hopefully by Friday, the last day, they take the hoodie off. Not always, but it's very small steps. Makes me wonder, um, 
uh, about those friendships that they're building at camp and how, you know, how that translates to home. Can, do they have opportunities to reconnect uh, between summers? Uh, I'm just curious if, uh, how resilient are those friendships? Well, we've, we've only done the, the camp once here at UD. So hopefully we're, we're, we're building those friendships and hopefully the same campers come um, this next year that came last year and so they can reconnect. Uh, but stuttering runs in families. And so it's very likely that the campers that came this past summer will have younger siblings who may begin to stutter themselves. And oftentimes in these families, stuttering is this kind of unspoken secret shame thing. And so hopefully there's a, there's a generational or a sibling um, thing happening with this camp. So powerful. I have just one other question. What's the most popular activity that you find that the campers love to do while they're with you for the five days? What's their favorite? Sam, why don't, why don't you, you take that one? That's a tough one. I, I, was, I think probably the, uh, the DJ being there was probably the most popular. Um, I am, I'm blanking on his name right now. The folks at UT Austin um, hire a, a DJ every year who is a person who stutters and he has come back to the camp every single year and he goes to almost every camp um, and he he likes to go the whole week if he can. He was able to come for three days for us, which was um, you know just a blessing and awesome because uh, he really inspired a lot of those kids to to really try to express themselves through through music or whatever it might be. Um, and the kids love the organized dances and just dancing freely. And um, he let some of the kids come behind the DJ booth and um, he kind of taught them how to do some of the, uh, I, I don't even know what it's called. That shows you how uneducated I am in the world of um, DJing. Um, <laughs> but he showed them how to operate the turntables um, and make a few modifications to the songs and like changing the, uh, the rhythm patterns and stuff, which was really, really neat. DJ Juan. That's what it was. Um, thanks. <laughs> um, but he was just a, a wonderful inspirational person to, to meet. Um, and, uh, he really connected with the kids. Um, so I would, I would say the DJ booth was probably the most popular activity that was a repeated activity because he was there multiple times. Yeah, when when you're in a university setting, um, I can try my hardest at making it like a cool place to be. But when uh, uh, DJ Juan Cortez from Texas comes, he's uh, the cutter with a stutter and he brings out his state-of-the-art turntables and creates a dance party. Um, you can't compete with that. So you just let him work with the campers and he's a wonderful person and and he is a true uh expert when it comes to running this camp he he helps run this camp at numerous uh, uh locations um so um, what's great about camp dream speak live is the foundation of people based out of texas who have helped us we couldn't have done this by ourselves um they were always that resource we can go to because they've done this so many times in so many places and so if there is a university who would like to um, do such a camp, um, I highly recommend that they reach out to uh, uh, Courtney Bird and the folks at UT Austin and the Arthur M. Uh, Blank Center for stuttering. Um, it they 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 they're wonderful people. That's so cool. I <laughs> I want to have a dance party with with DJ Juan now. That sounds like the best. Um, you just mentioned the Blank Center, and uh, that's something I would love to learn more about. So um, from my understanding, uh, participants at the camp follow what is the evidence-based Blank, Blank Center care model programming. And is it true that it's provided at no cost for participants? Yes. So there's no cost, um, uh, which is wonderful. And um, as I said before, um, campers can come every year. Um, sometimes there's a waiting list. Um, be, but uh, the folks at uh, the Lake Center um, try to help as many families as possible. So, for example, if there's a family um, living 
in New York State and they can't make it to Texas for a camp, come to Delaware. Um, this past summer, we had at least half of our campers came from out of state. Um, and so hopefully we'll get to a point where there's enough locations for the camp across the country where, you know, within a relatively short drive, it's accessible to most, most folks. Oh, and Lauren, I think I forgot the rest of your question. Sorry. <laughs> oh, no, I was just going to ask, could you explain exactly what the care model is? Sure. Um, so I'll go ahead first and Sam, maybe you can help me out. So CARE stands for the C is in communication, A is to be an advocate, R is resilience, and E is for education. I mentioned these themes earlier. Uh, they all are related concepts that when you combine them, I think foster a communicative competence, uh, a sense of agency. So notice what I didn't say. I didn't say the goal is to not stutter. Okay. Um, I'll be blunt here. If a child stutters more after camp than before camp, to me, that could be because they're talking more and that's a success. So this is kind of a paradigm shift in what therapy used to be, at least for me when I was a child, where the idea was, oh no, Evan is stuttering. Stuttering, you know, is a disadvantage. It can create academic, vocational, and social challenges, which is true. Let's do what we can to get rid of the stutter. What we're doing here is we're saying, look, maybe the stutter goes away in time. Maybe it doesn't because it is true. Some children um, will stutter less and less when they get older until it is almost not there. Other children will continue to stutter um, quite often for the rest of their lives it doesn't matter, okay? And, and I say that because, once again, you can become an effective communicator regardless of how often you may have a moment of disfluency, right? So I said disfluency. It's not the end of the world when I say that, but we're trying to convince the children that. Um, so we spend time working on things like eye contact, using one's voice, posture, um, you know, how, 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 how do you order the kind of flavor that you really want to order? How do you say what you want to say, when you want to say it, how you want to say it, regardless of whether or not that moment of stuttering happens? That's very different than a formal intervention targeting trying not to stutter. And so it's kind of a, it's a tough thing to kind of teach students where it's like, I know you want to try to teach techniques to not stutter, like slowing down your rate of voice, um, elongating your syllables, changing the words around. In my world, it's almost doing less. In doing less um, creates more fluency in the long term. So sometimes, Stuttering more in the short term by talking more creates more fluency in the long term because you're living the life that you want to live. Yeah, I would say the the biggest goal of the care model is to um, really flip the script for these kids who may have been told for their entire lives that stuttering is a bad thing. Um, and the the biggest goal of the care model is to say stuttering is fine it's it's good it's not a problem it's not going to be an impactful thing on your life yes it's going to be there um it may be there for your entire life um but just because this thing is there that is different than the way other people talk doesn't mean that you are worse or you are inferior in any way we're trying to the care model is trying to say you are absolutely capable of being a competent communicator you're absolutely capable of advocating for yourself and being resilient through uh through the challenges that everybody faces in day-to-day -day life um and you're capable of educating people about this 
communication difference that you have. That's definitely one of the can be one of the bigger roadblocks for kids through the week. Um, you'll see some kids who will stand up and start kind of saying some of the things that they might have learned um, from, you know, parents or from other therapy approaches in the past, saying that they might try to, you know, change the word that they were going to say, or they might try to use a breathing technique or try to, I'm trying to think of some other things <laughs> off the top of my head. I have not, I've not taught those things in so long that I, I don't um, remember them as well. But um, it's uh, really the, the goal is just to create these, you know, confident and competent communicators. I know I keep, we keep saying competent communicators and communication competency, um, but those really are the, the main pieces of the, of the camp. You know, can I ask um, Sam I was, or, or Evan, um, most camps really lean in on the reflection, the moments of reflection in their program to help kids process what they're feeling, what they're learning and um, you know, what the whole, about the power of camp in each day. And so I'm just curious um, for your program, um, you know, and, and also today, you know, kids um, are usually very interested in using their phones as a crutch instead of having that really slow down and look at each other in the eye and all the posturing things that Evan was mentioning before. Um, so I, I can imagine that the, the uh, intentional reflection periods that you have um, and maybe the informal ones that, that happen at camp each day are um, very unique relative to the other experiences these kids have in, in their lives at school and so forth. Um, just curious if, um, you know, am, am I right about that? I mean, I've, uh, you know, what, what does that look like when they have as much time as they need to express themselves um, in like activity group reflection time? And also what's it feel like for them all to experience that together, like peer to peer instead of like, teacher to student? I'll try to give a quick answer because uh, I've been taking too much time um, talking, but most of the feedback we get and the reflections that we get, we perceive kind of in the downtime. It's between the magic show and the scavenger hunt. It's on the bus ride to this field trip where our graduate students who are training to become SLPs are always in conversation with the campers and just asking them questions, getting to know them, seeing how they feel about this or that. And when you do that, you get these great nuggets of insight, right? And even I think the most uh, shy child will once in a while just say something and it's like, yes, that's, that's, that's what we're looking for. Um, so this constant monitoring of the feedback and, and, and see where their little minds are going. But the big reflection is on Friday. So on the Friday afternoon towards the end of camp, um, we do like an open mic where every camper um, goes up in front of everyone else and introduces themselves, which is a big deal. Going in front of an audience and saying one's name, that's that's tough. Um, saying one's name, talking about themselves and their stutter and what they learned and, and so on. And um, maybe they tell a joke. Uh, we have a talent show where they they provide a talent that they have. Um, you know, it's a wonderful ending to the camp. And oftentimes the parents will be there. And I'll tell you, last summer, man, I cried. I, I, I couldn't help it. I cried. Everyone cried. Some of the campers cried. It's 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 a wonderful experience. Um, in terms of daily reflection, um, at the beginning of the week, each of the campers is given uh, a journal, um, and they are there are opportunities built in throughout the week to do the individual reflection within the journal, um, and it is you know a guided process with the um, the graduate clinicians will sit and directly help the kids with, you know, reviewing the question, you know, what are we answering today? What did we learn during the, um, during the, uh, care station? Like while we saw the, 
uh, grad clinicians do the the role play, do the little skit. Um, you know, what did we see in the skit? How does that impact you directly? Have you ever experienced something like that? Is that a thing that you've ever done? Um, what would you do to make it better at home? Uh, if you were in class and you had to, you know, speak up for somebody, you know, what would you do? How would you do it? So the opportunity for reflection is, is built into the daily schedule um, pretty much every single day. Uh, sometimes we get a little caught up in the fun parts and we get go a little bit too far. And then we'll, at the end of the day, we're like, oh, we got to do the reflection. That's really important. We got to do the reflection. Um, let's make sure we we take some time to do that because it really helps the kids, you know, writing it down, takes the time to really think about the words that they want to associate and helps them remember um, the things that they learn. And they get to keep the journals at the end so they can go back and look at those anytime. Really powerful. Um I wonder if the parents ever ask you, how can I bring this home? The power of what you're doing with our kids at camp, how can we bring that back? So um, the folks at the Blank Center, um, they, they meet remotely with the families and the campers before the week of camp and also have almost like a debrief conversation the week after camp. And oftentimes it's during those conversations where the parents get to ask questions, um, where sometimes the Blank Center is able to facilitate um, the relationships uh, between the type of program that we run during camp and what maybe their school SLPs do, because we don't want any friction between the message that these children are hearing. Um, I understand. That's really interesting. Has um, Arthur Blank ever come and visit your camp? So he's come to the Atlanta camp because I, I believe that's mm -hmm. that's where they're based. Um, I would love if uh, he came to Delaware. So I didn't realize that you all have only operated the camp just this past summer. So let's celebrate the fact that you successfully made it through your first year. That's incredible. I would love to know kind of based off of that um, initial experience, what were some of the key maybe takeaways or lessons that you all learned um, from your first year running the program? And then alongside that, what advice might you share with an organization or with somebody who is either interested in starting um, their own Camp Dream Speak Live? I know we touched on them connecting with the folks uh, down in Texas, or if they're just interested in starting their own very specialized camp program, what advice would you give? What were some of the takeaways from your own experience from this past year? So I'll um, quickly say something and then I'll let Sam and um, the folks um, take it further. I, there is a number of, of similar camps out there. And I think this is a a progression in, in the field, which I think is a good thing. Um, camps can range from your traditional just summer camp for kids who stutter. So it's kids who stutter and they just do a traditional outdoor camping thing, whatever that is. That in itself, I think is super therapeutic and super helpful. And just have these communication skills grow organically may be just as effective as a more deliberate program like we run. So I don't think you need any special manual or any type of therapy. Um, I think most camp, most camps for kids who stutter have a more of a, just a basic kind of a program. Um, when it comes to specialized deliberate programs, the only thing I would say is um, know the motivation for why you're doing it. If you're an SOP or a health professional and you want to start such a camp, what is the motivation? Back to, is it superficial fluency to, to help kids not stutter? Because I'll be honest, in five days, that's, that's probably going to fail. Um, or is it more towards the communicative competence, advocacy, education, piece where it's five days is good enough for one step forward. Um, I would say any advice to give to professionals interested in starting their own specialized camp program. Um, 
the phrase let's not reinvent the wheel was kind of like a unspoken theme for our camp um, we really took a lot of time to see what resources were available already what people had tried and and succeeded and what people had tried and maybe not succeeded to make sure that we found um, a program that really met with our goals um, and then I would advise finding energetic, like-minded people who want to support those same groups. Um, if you have a novel idea, explore it. But definitely, I would check um, around to see if other people have done something similar. Try to learn from their experiences, their mistakes, and their you know um, things that worked. Because it's a lot of effort to to make a camp happen, even just to gather a group of kids in a place and you know, provide content for them for, uh, you know, six hours for one day, now do it five days in a row, um, and have them leave with a positive experience and make sure that they've all been fed, um, and that they've all been safe and that you have enough staff so that no camper has to go to the bathroom alone. Um, you know, things like that are, uh, there's a lot of like little logistical things that can be, can be learned from other people who have already done it. Um, so that was really, really helpful. I feel like for a first year for a camp, like we had just like the most shockingly smooth experience of five days that uh, that we could have asked for um, being first timers. And, you know, uh, big kudos to the um, folks at uh, UT Austin and the Blank Center who helped us facilitate um, that uh that experience for those kiddos what would you say that you're the most hopeful for in looking towards your second year i would say that we're really hopeful to get uh, a, a much increased number of kids to come i think um it was great having the small intimate group that we had um and i think having more uh kids experience that would just be uh would just be awesome yeah, that I'd say that's like the that's the thing we're probably most hopeful for um, is just to have just to have more kids come and and tell other kids about it and say like you know if, if we reach the the numbers that we actually need to have a wait list I mean that would be so so cool because um, it was uh, it was just great seeing the the impact that we were able to have on such a small number and just to to grow that would be would be pretty amazing. Absolutely. So where can people go to learn more, whether um, as camp professionals curious to learn more about Camp Dream Speak Live or families who might be interested, whether that's about the University of Delaware's program or about Camp Dream Speak Live um, at large? There's kind of two two answers to that, I guess. The um, Our website, www.delawarestutteringproject.com, has a link to um, a Daily article. Um, and I can certainly provide that link, but there's a whole bunch of forward slashes in it and it's hard to read out loud. Um, but there's a Daily article which has some testimonials from the campers from last year's camp. Um, and I will certainly provide that link to you. But our website also has uh, some um, information on uh, interest forms and the research projects that we're running for children and adults who stutter um, at University of Delaware. Um, specifically for Camp Dream Speak Live, um, the blank center for stuttering.org. Um, I can provide that link as well. Um, but it uh, has an interest form that you fill out, um, which then begins the process where the um, folks at the blank center will reach out and um, begin the enrollment process with the uh, starting interviews and, um, you know, uh, the preliminary assessments and things like that. With the amazing background that you all bring to your camp, being you know a you know a professor, um, and Sam, with you being a research research scientist and a SLP, I wonder if you uh, see the opportunity in the future for a lot of really good evaluation work and maybe some research, other kinds of research on around your camp program and the impact of it. Yeah, Tom, um, there is peer reviewed research that have been published by the team at UT Austin, uh, by uh, Dr. Court, Courtney Bird and her team. Um, and they've shown that this camp 
is very effective at increasing those communication skills um, in these young children. It would be really interesting as a neuroscientist to see how a camp-based intervention affects things like how the brain works when we approach social situations. Um, the field of cognitive neuroscience is finally getting to the point where we're able to look at interpersonal interactions and look at, okay, is there synchrony between my brain and your brain? Um, how does things like anxiety or emotional reactivity affect the speech motor system? Um, I, you know, uh, maybe in the future, and this may be the, the far future, um, it would be, would be great to see how this kind of a camp um, changes um, the autonomic nervous system, brain activity, the overall functioning of children of certain ages. Just that concept of um, Dr. Usler, I have to, I'm going to call you Dr. Usler because I have a great respect for your work. The, um, you know, I, that whole concept of synchrony, um, the whole field of camp is really interested. Um, I've, I've been reading about these breakthroughs around synchrony and just the being a part of a community and connecting and the impact that has on your brain. And so I'm fascinated to learn more as you learn more about the how powerful the intervention of camp is in this space of speech language mm -hmm. pathology. Alice, could you share with us briefly about the other camp programs offered at University of Delaware? Certainly. Um, in addition to our traditional athletic, um, academic type camps, uh, we also had our first year camp, um, camp, um, let's see, let me get the name right because I don't want to misquote that. Um, it was the Arctic Summer Camp, and it was a camp for articulation for speech disorders. And um, I worked with uh, Dr. Sayoko Earl and uh, her team um, in also having this camp available for the first time at UD. And um, it invited children with speech and sound disorders, um, and they were the age eight to 10, um, to participate in the five-day day camp, um, providing articulation therapy, mindfulness activities, and science education. Um, it was a pilot, in, it was intended as a pilot intervention for their research and the research components um, that had been approved by the UD's IRB board. And so um, I was fortunate in my scheduling to be able to provide um, attend an in-person observation of uh, the Arctic camp. And um, it was great to see uh, the children not only interacting with each other with similar um, difficulties in their speech, but also for them to be receiving intense therapy, working with their needs and um, receiving therapy they wouldn't necessarily receive as uh, well during this academic year in their regular school year. Um, and they built into the program the ability for um, the therapy to occur, but also have time for the students to recuperate from that therapy and, and um, having activities and things where they would have quiet time to allow their um, voices the chance to recover from the intense therapy. and. Um, but still be engaged with others and uh, finding those creative means of uh, working around um, the needs um, and addressing um, the fact that, uh, like these gentlemen have shared, that there's ways that we can find new ways of thinking outside of the box in approaching these young people and meeting their needs where they are and helping them develop socially and um, physically and and having a positive youth experience, right? That they'll remember and they'll wanna come back. And um, it it was uh, good to see um, that we're thinking outside of the traditional youth programs to serve the needs of our community. Um, and that we're offering something other than the traditional athletic camps or um, educational theater camps, music camps, and those type of things that we're addressing other needs that are needed in our community to meet um, and provide a great time for youth that may not necessarily 
participate in a traditional camp because of their insecurity and, and needing to find their own people that meet their um, interests and, and where they're wanting to try and succeed. Thank you for sharing that. So I think it's safe to say that University of Delaware has some pretty incredible work going on and y'all are making such a major difference in the lives of our young people. So thank you for all that you're doing and yeah, keep up the great work. Before we wrap up our conversation today, does anybody have any any final thoughts that you'd like to share? Well, I just want to commend you all for your work. Um, you know, we we often talk about the impact of the pandemic on typical kids. And I know that for kids who stutter, um, not having inter- a lot of, they, having isolation, like, developmental isolation, like they probably experience is really profoundly difficult for for them. And so I know that the, the minutes and hours and weeks that you spend with them at camp make a, tr- have a transformative effect on their lives. So thank you for all that you're doing. And I wish you great success in the future and hope to visit your camp one day. Yeah, um, Tom and Lauren, thank you so much for um, letting us use your time. Um, and I, I just want to say that um, if you're a caregiver of a child who stutters or a child with a uh, communication difference um, or, a, or a teacher for that matter, it's tough. Um, a lot of children who stutter, as I've said earlier, are trying to figure themselves out and often are really good at hiding their issues. And so just because they may not stutter overtly to you when you talk to them doesn't mean um, something like this kind of a camp wouldn't be um, really helpful to them. So, you know, feel free to reach out to us, the Delaware Stuttering Project, reach out to the Arthur and Blanks Center for Stuttering. Um, oh, here's a good stutter here. Education and Research. Um, maybe, you know, small things, we can hand you a flyer and maybe just put the flyer on your coffee table or, you know, it's subtle kind of nudges are sometimes all that needs to be done for a child to say, you know what, this, this looks like fun. Maybe, maybe I want to take part in something like this. Um, the last thing that I would have to add, which, um, we didn't get to talk on experience talk about explicitly very much but the uh some of the other staff that were involved um were really important to the project um ut austin was generous enough to provide us with um an slp in their employee um lauren henshi was absolutely wonderful in um facilitating our program for our first year um and uh one of the clinical educators at ud um carly aaron she's a speech language pathologist who i've worked with for years um and uh, the the real boots on the ground were the the six graduate clinicians that um, received um, treatment clock hours toward their degrees for the master's program that they're in um, by uh, working with the kids who stutter every single day for six hours a day. Um, so we received a handbook um, early uh, a few weeks before the program and had a couple of Zoom trainings going into it. So, um, but a lot of it was kind of learned on the fly in the, the briefing sessions before we kind of tried to meet about an hour before the campers got there and talk about what the goals were for the day and went over the schedule, who was going to be in the role-playing activities, um, who was going to be the person with the stutter, who looked at the ground, who was going to be the person who looked at uh, the, the audience, who was going to be the one who postured really well and spoke confidently. Um, so all of those little pieces um, were, uh, you know, facilitated by Lauren and Carly and really made the program great um, and gave the our graduate clinicians a really good new therapy approach um, f- for working with kids who stutter in the future. But it was an absolute pleasure to work with everybody involved with the camp. And um, it was great meeting everyone, seeing everybody grow in such a short, intensive period of time. Awesome. Well, and it's been a pleasure talking with you all. Thank you so much, Alice, Sam, Evan, for being here today, for sharing your story and all about your program. We're so excited for you and can't wait to see what is next. So thank you all for being here. Tom and Ruthie, thank you so much. This has been an awesome conversation. And I know our listeners are really going to get a lot out of this. So thank you all. 
And thank you to our listeners for tuning in to today's episode of the Camp Wire podcast. If you haven't done so already, be sure that you are subscribed to the show wherever you get your podcasts. And to learn more about today's episode and Camp Dream Speak Live, check out the show notes. As always, be sure to follow the American Camp Association across social media platforms at ACA Camps, and we'll see you next time.